Happy Friday. I'm Quinn Emmett, and this is Important Not Important, science for people who give a shit. The newsletter features the most important science news, how to think about it, and what the hell you can do about it. And now that includes finding an awesome new job working on the front lines of the future at Important Jobs. At importantjobs.com, you can find curated open roles in everything from clean energy to clean foods, regenerative agriculture to artificial intelligence ethics, maternal health, and cancer research. Are you looking for new hires? Maybe your company's first sustainability officer? Post your open roles at importantjobs.com for free and get them in front of our entire community. Folks, you should subscribe right now so you get this audio newsletter every Friday, plus our conversations with the smartest people in the world every Monday. As a reminder, you can find the digital version and links to everything at importantnotimportant.com slash newsletter or right from your show notes. It's Friday, July 30th, 2021. Do better, better. Look, everyone loved those essays I wrote. We got so much engagement on them, but they went from weekly to every two weeks to once a month to... It's been a minute. So for the time being, at least, those ideas will live here. And today... I'd like to talk about self-awareness. Coming to terms with my inability to write a quasi-regular DBB column meant taking a step back from my to-do list and calendar, doing some audits of my time and my obligations, and then culling what isn't necessary right now, what isn't important, or that I don't have time for, and then prioritizing and scheduling what I do. You can apply the same lesson to your workout schedule or your meditation coffee with friends, caffeine intake, or even, for example, getting your nation over the herd immunity threshold so a future variant doesn't emerge and kill another million or so of your citizens. The mRNA COVID vaccines have been available for almost half a calendar year. The same percentage of people who said, no thanks, after celebrating New Year's indoors with a few hundred of their closest friends are still in the no camp. Disinformation and misinformation are a rampant cancer, destroying most of our best societal intentions, and more on that later. But that doesn't explain away an entire 15% of the population. Now, look, a lot of folks know the risks that come with infection at this point. They know the side effects. They know the incentives, too. We've offered huge amounts of cash, donuts, beer, and more. We've made vaccines vastly more accessible, if only in isolation, of course, because it's America. Millions of hourly workers still have no childcare or paid time off to actually go and get one. And yes, millions of historically and currently marginalized Americans have zero trust in the medical system and for-profit medicine and an FDA that can't just do the right thing. But otherwise, self-awareness means acknowledging the simple fact that plenty of people just don't fucking want a vaccine. And look, you don't want to wear a seatbelt or a bike helmet? Fine, man. That's on you. I'm just not going to waste energy anymore and precious time explaining basic life lessons to adults. You know, I don't call this science for people who give a shit for fun. It's the idea we've known for eons that it's nearly impossible to convince people of shit that they don't want to hear. So I'm explicitly interested in supplying people who already want to move the needle of progress with the most measurable actions they can take to do so. But a virus is another thing. A virus? That's between you and me. 
28 million American children under the age of 11 can't get the shots yet. Of course, most of those are fine for whatever reason. This thing doesn't affect them very much. But people with a history of severe allergic reactions to any component of the vaccine can't get it. A tiny number in context. But the point remains. As Ed Young explained, as miraculous as these vaccines are, and as many people as already have them, 15% of Americans refusing to get them, and billions of people around the globe starved of them from greed, means the firewall of protection will only last so long before some freak escape variant comes along and we're starting the vaccine push all over again. So if I'm President Biden, Congress, or every business leader in America, I'm trying to do better, better. That means being self-aware. I'm pushing the FDA as hard as I can to finally acknowledge America's stupid commitment to exceptionalism. We've talked about that before. And to approve and then mandate the vaccines to come to work, go to a restaurant or club or cruise or movie theater or university or high school, to attend or play in an NFL game, to serve as a police officer. I'd call Apple and Google back and, hell, call Stripe too at this point and beg them to help build an open source vaccine passport and then let states and cities and colleges, businesses, API right into it so this doesn't turn into healthcare.gov 2.0. You want to remind America of her exceptionalism? Spend a billion dollars with TikTok on a marketing campaign to remind 50 million freedom-loving patriots that 244 years ago, smallpox survivor George Washington got real and reluctantly mandated absolutely brutal vaccines during a war, during the winter, in total secret, in Philadelphia, for his fledgling army. And here we are. In climate change and clean energy news, we're talking about wet bulbs and swimming through subways. Understand this. Being an ancient millennial, I was inclined to detail out our dangerously underexplored water risks by describing them as a, quote, global thirst trap, end quote. But I have been told that I might be using that term incorrectly, so let's move on. Let's talk about water in the discontinuity and where we go from here. Everybody needs water. We need clean water to drink, to bathe, to wash, to do experiments. And for some reason, we require clean water to flush toilets, which is an entirely different issue. In America, we have this surprising, I know, dichotomy where we value water so cheaply that we've spent decades just wasting an enormous amount in those toilets on lawns, and to grow monocrops that are mostly fed to industrialized animals, which we then eat and get heart attacks. But our entitlement and inequality also means clean water is unaffordable for many, and delivered via an antiquated, at best, infrastructure. And finally now, we're starting to understand the true impact of water. Too much and too little. For example, we're all learning what wet bulb records are and how they could make it too humid to survive in certain parts of the globe and the U.S. We're learning how the drought is devastating wheat crops and driving up the price of bread, among others. How the lack of water and dry heat in other areas are killing unprotected migrant farm workers. We're learning how hydropower doesn't really fucking work without water. And in California, which really shouldn't exist for the most part, a century of hodgepodge 
Podge man-made water infrastructure is under threat as the mountains and the reservoirs dry out, and as tech giants regret building on the bay. We're learning what it will mean to adapt. We've got maps of what our coastlines will look like once all the ice melts, and Apple Maps is out there secretly building in detours for flash floods. In Iran, droughts have led to violence. And speaking of Apple, your iPhone's birthplace in China is underwater. Subways across the world, because they're underground in cities built on water, are flooding. Chile scrambling to unprivatize its water metal. Indians' monsoon has become wetter and even more unpredictable. And you can go deeper, scroll back to episode 72 for an incredible conversation called The Monsoon is 11 Days Late. It's from 2019, but it is evergreen, let me tell you. Here's your action step, folks. You really need to understand this because water is pretty helpful for survival. And because we also have some enormous opportunities to change our perspective on use and conservation. So, again... You can go to importantnotimportant.com slash newsletter or your show notes, or you can just go to climatetechvc.substack.com to read an excellent water explainer, a systemic explainer from our friends over at Climate Tech VC. In COVID news, we're going back to the future. Understand this, 500,000 Americans got their first COVID vaccine on Wednesday, which is the most in a while. And that's great timing because Delta is for real. It has been called one of the most infectious respiratory viruses we know of, possibly as infectious as chickenpox, though the data is still coming in and being assessed. And we're also pretty sure now that vaccinated people can spread it pretty well. So mask guidelines are back, if confusing, so just fucking wear one. Federal workers now, as of this week, will be mandated to get a shot or have to wear a mask, distance, and get tested on the regular. And that might apply to the armed forces, too. Colleges and universities, despite questionable legal status because the FDA hasn't actually fully approved the vaccine, are putting in mandates anyways. Let's talk about kids. Look, straight up, young children are, even with Delta, for the most part, safe. Let's give it some context. 4.1 million children have tested positive for COVID. Most have no symptoms. That's great. But around 500 U.S. children have died. Not surprisingly, 75% of the deaths have been Black, Hispanic, or American Indian children. 2 to 10% of those who are infected but don't die experience this long COVID issue. So the FDA, who's not completely asleep at the wheel, apparently, has also urged Pfizer and Moderna to expand their trials they're doing for kids from ages 5 to 11 to check for very rare heart inflammation problems. They want to get this right. But again, take another step back, more context. This is not a level playing field. While no government is perfect, and this one certainly is not, it's helpful to understand everything. And in this case, the forces arrayed against those trying to eradicate this thing. It turns out anti-vaxxers are more likely to be influenced by Facebook than Fox News, and just wow. New York Times has a profile on the man behind much of the disinformation. Across the U.S., GOP state lawmakers are disassembling public health powers. Simultaneously, GOP-appointed judges are limiting states' ability to limit in-person gatherings or even follow the CDC guidelines, which is fun. 
And this isn't just a rip on the elected officials of one party. The seeds of distrust run deep. In 1975, 72% of Republicans had a great deal of confidence in science, as they were polled. Today, it's 45%. What's going on in Europe? The Moderna vaccine was approved for kids 12 to 17, so now they've got both mRNA options, and individual countries are getting more aggressive. France's vaccination numbers are exploding after social mandates, and the UK's Delta numbers are unexpectedly going in the right direction, which is really just not something we say around here all the time. Your action step is simple, folks. If you haven't gotten your shot, I I, I don't know what to tell you. I have to imagine the shit-giver percentage is almost perfect at this point. But throw a mask on, spread the word, look at the action steps we've provided before to try to increase uh, vaccine participation in your neighborhood. All right. In medicine and biotech news, survey says, look, this ethics in artificial intelligence thing is going as expected. And we've got much more to come on this soon for your earballs. From Stat News, several artificial intelligence algorithms developed by Epic Systems, the nation's largest electronic health record vendor, are delivering inaccurate or irrelevant information to hospitals about the care of seriously ill patients, contrasting sharply with the company's published claims, a Stat investigation found. Employees of several major health systems said they were particularly concerned about Epic's algorithm for predicting sepsis, a life-threatening complication of infection. The algorithm, they said, routinely fails to identify the condition in advance and triggers frequent false alarms. Some hospitals reported a benefit for patients after fine-tuning the model, but that process took at least a year. What it means? Well, it's not fucking great, Bob. Look, we've talked about this before. Paired with advancements in electronic health records, Machine learning could theoretically help relieve medical personnel from various administrative time sucks, improve radiology, diagnoses, and treatments, reduce inefficiencies in billing, and more. But we're very clearly not there yet. We have to ask about the incentives. We have to talk about the rush to let for-profit companies implement biased and or poorly designed, poorly communicated, and poorly understood algorithms over questionable data sets, because it's only setting us back even further. Here's your action step. Look, we need to elect young people who are inherently more likely to understand the implications of the technologies of tomorrow. Great news. You can sign up to do that with our friends at Run for Something. Or you can support their amazing under-40 progressive candidates right at their website. Folks, your job of the week from Important Jobs, help beat addiction. Become a senior software engineer with Eleanor Health, and the job is remote. Look, saying Americans got an addiction problem would be a bit of an understatement. Eleanor Health is focused on delivering whole-person, comprehensive care to transform the quality, delivery, and accessibility of care for people affected by addiction. Join and collaborate with a growing team to build and maintain HIPAA-compliant and incredibly valuable technology. You can apply right at importantjobs.com. In the human-machine interface news, which is what we're calling the new artificial intelligence section because it covers everything. Look, where there's smoke, there's fire, and apparently more artificial intelligence. Look, understand this. Wildfires are everywhere. But can we predict where they'll go? Can we even get ahead of them? A few thousand years of collective indigenous experiment says, yes, morons, we can. But also so does Dr. Ilke Altintis from the New York Times. Dr. Altintis is the founder and director of the University of California, San Diego's 
Wifire Lab, W-I-F-I-R-E, where she and her team have worked over the past eight years to use data to help fire managers, scientists. And in the last decade or so, the quantity of data has increased a lot. Where once there were basic weather cameras used by surfers, there are now vast systems taking in almost real-time satellite views, sensing wind patterns, tracking utility service, and more. All of that information, coupled with troves of data about past blazes, can be used with artificial intelligence to quickly predict how fires will burn once they've ignited, and to help plan measures like prescribed burns aimed at preventing bigger, more dangerous fires. Here's your action step. Dr. Altentis and her team built a fire map. It's pretty awesome. You should bookmark it. It's in your show notes and it's on the newsletter. Then you should subscribe to our podcast. Like, use your finger to do it right now. Because on Monday, we're putting out maybe one of the most impactful episodes we've ever done. What's in wildfire smoke and how you can protect yourself. In food and water news, look, everybody should be able to order groceries. With millions of Americans facing food insecurity for the first time or the 40th, Feeding America is one of our most vital organizations. And where you and I might have spent the past year tipping Instacart delivery people, there's a hell of a lot of folks that cannot afford to do that. And with the eviction moratorium and other emergency social benefits ending tomorrow, that number may grow a lot. And that makes today's news very exciting. From Grocery Dive, With a network of more than 200 food banks, Feeding America is looking to lower barriers to food access as the organization estimates 42 million people in the U.S. may face food insecurity this year. Feeding America started piloting grocery e-commerce in October 2020, and since then 11 food banks and 18 distribution sites have reached nearly 15,000 people through more than 9,000 orders, according to its announcement. Feeding America aims to add 20 more food banks to the Order Ahead program over the next year. What this means, folks, this system's not only more convenient, it's a hell of a lot safer during a pandemic that's still going, and it also alleviates some of the stigma of visiting a food bank. You know the action step. Let's feed some people with one of our favorite orgs. Help fund the new system by donating directly to Feeding America. Here's your roundup. Facebook's whistleblower finally speaks up. How will governments prepare for the next pandemic? I'm thankful as hell to have our friends Nahid and Sam on the case. Next in Biogen news, because this one's not going away, they pulled a paper from JAMA before it could be damaging. Great. Very few clinical trials report transparent data, and that's got to change. And, (laughs) wow, the first Candida cases are here. And uh, let me tell you, folks, this is the nightmare fuel. Again, I will reference and put in the show notes um, a episode of Radio Lab from last year that explains exactly what's going on. On the other hand, to end with some good news, the list of things we can do with the incredible new protein folding database, it's going to blow minds. It's going to change lives. In important jobs... Every week, folks, we share the featured roles from important jobs right here in the newsletter. If you're hiring and want to get your open role in front of our incredible community, you can submit a featured role for free at importantjobs.com. Our four featured roles this week are senior software engineer at Eleanor Health, that job's remote, scientist, sell free applications at Lanzatech in Illinois, a controller for C16 Biosciences in New York, and the policy lead for Evergreen Action, which is remote. Folks, there's 40 more open roles 
at importantjobs.com, and I can't wait for you guys to check them out. Finally, important, not important podcasts in the news. Mary Grant spoke up about the PFAS Action Stack of 2021, which is improving water standards for Americans. Leah Peniman talked about our very broken food system. Mohammed Al-Karashi talked about the paradigm shift in biology from the deep mind protein folding news. And this one is just the best of all. Dr. Catherine Wilkinson and Dr. Ayana Elizabeth Johnson and their book, All We Can Save, is on the motherfucking bestseller list. Folks, thanks for reading. Thanks for giving a shit. Have a great weekend.